Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had the one and only Ryan Hooks in the house with Rabbit Hole Whiskey from Louisville, one of the new kids on the block in the urban world. We tried the bourbon, we tried the rye, we tried a unique whiskey finished in a sherry cask and quite sacrilegiously, we actually drank some gin in here tonight. London dry gin finished in rye whiskey barrels. What? It happened. Rabbit hole. I tricked them all. <laughs> Cheers to you. Yes. Do you hate this? Do you, do you hate the slow clap? You okay? I, okay, yeah. It takes it takes a little warming up sometimes. Welcome to the first Whiskey Society of the New Year, you guys. Thank you very much. 2019. Here we are. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And for the new year, we have a relatively new whiskey in the house and right. a, a new friend to the Whiskey hey, Society. So please give it up for Mr. Ryan Hooks from Rabbit Hole Distillery. Thank you. Thanks everyone for being here. I like that we're on radio. They can't see how many people are here. <laughs> it's okay. We're still building the buzz here. This is, kidding, you're you're p- putting down the footwork. Everyone's just doing a dry January. Everyone's being late. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible idea, dry January. Is. <laughs> <laughs> There's only reasonable people in this room right now. I like all, all of you are now new friends for not doing dry January. So uh, cool. Some of us are still recovering from the holidays. So. Lame. <laughs> the secret to being good at drinking is to never stop. That's it. Bottom line. So, well, right on, right. So this is a new brand. How yes. long have you guys been on the West Coast now? Yes. Yeah, so Rabbit Hole has been in California since March of last year, March 2018. Uh, we're with Young's Market, so we have a pretty good distributor, which has been really helpful. Uh, but we've been a brand as of 2012. Okay. So our our company was founded in 2012. Um, but we can get into that story in a little bit if you want, or and if we're ready now. You're one of the new distilleries in Louisville, right? Yes, yes. We just opened our brand new $15 million distillery uh, last year. We're putting out 28,000 barrels uh, a year in our distillery. We have a 24-inch uh, copper pot column still that we got from Vendome in, in Louisville. Cool. So it's really beautiful. Yeah, right on. So, so starting off, like this is, this is how many years have you been making 28,000 barrels per year now? <laughs> one. So, <laughs> one, which is like, that seems weird because we're selling Kentucky straight bourbon over here. So, how our process has been working since we started, uh, we are contract distilled. So, what that means is we developed a recipe. We had a bunch of guys said, hey, this is what we want to do. And we went to a distillery and said, hey, can you make this for us? And they said, sure, we can make that recipe. So, the recipe that you're going to taste is specifically our recipe that's being made at a different distillery. Once our distillery ages up to speed, we will no longer be affiliated with them. Uh, and nothing will change in terms of the flavor on the palate that you're going to get today because it's our specific recipe that uh-huh. we have had someone make for us. Are they using exactly the same kind of still that you guys have yes. just built? So you're hopefully... Hopefully every, you know. hopefully it should seamlessly transition, uh, you know, and in that sense. So, Well, one thing that's unique I know about you guys is that... Um, the, where your contract is stealing from, who's who's making your whiskey, yes. they're a small company too. They're sure. not they're, they're not MGP. They're not no. like most of the private labels of bourbons and ryes that you're gonna see on the market for the most part is stuff coming out of Lawrenceburg, yeah. Indiana, a former Seagram's distillery that's been doing con- contract whiskey for 25, 35 yeah. years. One of the best 
you know, and that, yeah, and that's where you find the difference of the world. sourcing, right? Because most people think of when they see some of these brands that they're sourcing their whiskey, meaning they're going to a distillery who already has product available and they're buying it and they're either blending it themselves or they're just selling what they have purchased. So ours is specifically for us. But yes, we're purchasing out of a place in northern Kentucky uh, and they just launched their own brand. They've been open a few years as well and they put out their first batch of releases here this past year. Um, What's so, the name of that distillery? Uh, it's New Riff is the name of the distillery. New Riff. So, Okay. Yes, and you, I don't, it hasn't really made it to California too much from the New Riff stuff, but it's really popular in Ohio. They're right on the border of Ohio, on the southern border uh, in Kentucky, but you're seeing a lot in Kentucky and in Ohio and some of those surrounding states, Indiana as well. Um, and I've seen a lot of buzz on it too on secondary market sites where people are selling their product and you know making good money off of it. So I think ours is better, but you know, yeah. matter of opinion. Thank. Oh, thank you, you so much. So Stephanie just passed out this first mark and this is your Our bourbon. bourbon. Yes. And so it's at least two years old. It's, yes, it's actually about three and a half. Now. Okay. So on the, we build it as two and a half on the label, but most of what we're getting is about three and a half right now. Um, so our bourbon uh, is a little bit unique in the sense that we try to do something different. We're trying to be innovative and our story kind of began with the fact that our owner was a big Scotch drinker. His now wife was uh, from Louisville, Kentucky, and they met in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so when he was a big scotch drinker, he would go to a restaurant and you would look at the back bar and say, okay, there's all these different brands and they're all privately owned, they're all family owned, they're independent, and they've been making their own stuff for hundreds of years. Now look at the whiskey category. That's owned by one brand, that's the other brand, there's your third brand, that's your shelf, right? There's five major companies that own 80% of the whiskey market. So he wanted to do something new, something innovative, family owned, small batch, uh, in that sense. Um, so our bourbon is really unique in the sense that uh, some of the grains that we use. So it's a four grain mash bill. Interesting. Uh, our grain mash bill is 70% corn, 10% malted barley, and the last 20% is a little bit fun. So 10% of that is wheat that we're actually malting. So we're malting the wheat to get more enzymes in the sugar production when we do it, which is most people don't malt wheat because it just sort of doesn't do that much extra. Uh, the other thing that we're using is honey malted barley. So we're importing it from Canada. It's a grain called honey malt, which is specifically for beer production most commonly. We're the only whiskey company who's using it right now. Uh, and what it does is it really gives us a soft, round, warm honey flavor to our whiskey. So. Beautiful. And four grain, if you, a little of the history of, of mash bills, like for the most part, bourbons have three mash bills. You've sure. got your traditional mash bill, which involves rye with malted barley and corn. You've got your high rye mash bill, which is, you know, upwards of 15% rye in there. As, and then you have your weeded bourbons. Sure. But four grain is not that unusual. I mean, they're starting to, these companies are coming about and putting them out there. But traditionally, whiskey was made by farmers, and a lot of times they would just use whatever grains they had at hand. So a four grain whiskey wouldn't be unusual a couple no. hundred years ago. I don't you know, just what you use, had. Yeah, use so. what you had to distill is the way that farmers condensed and preserved their grain. That's what distillation is all about, essentially. So uh, guide us through here. Sure. So stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. And share your experience. What are you reminded of as you smell this new bourbon? Banana, nut bread. Ooh, I'm getting a real good caramel note on there. It's mm -hmm. like, it is nutty for sure. Yeah, like walnuts for sure. But I'm getting like those bananas that are not ripe yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a very, very soft flavor. Cereal, honey bunches of oats. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So now tap it over your tongue. And how does that experience change? I need to get a little spit glass here. Anybody, anybody? Now it does. Now I've got that honey, I know. Bun, honey bunches of oats. Now you say that, that's all like the honey gary, and I know it's like stuck which, in my brain. Which you know, <laughs> vanilla and spice. Yeah, which I, we get a lot from the malted wheat. 
Mm-hmm. It does kind of change the flavor just a little bit that people aren't, aren't really expecting some of that. And you guys are using standard 53-gallon barrels or using smaller barrels in there Yeah, we get so we're purchasing our barrels from Calvin Cooperage in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and they sell barrels to about 80% of the market over there in Kentucky, the people who aren't building their own barrels anyway. Um, and yeah, standard barrels. Uh, we're currently housing our barrels at uh, the Castle and Key Distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a really good partnership with them, so they're currently storing for us. And as we age our products, slowly we'll be transferred to our facility in Louisville, but currently we just are still building out the space. And what's the level of char on the barrels that you guys use? Uh, yeah, number three char on the barrels for this one, uh, 110 uh, is the barrel proof entry. Oh, really? So going in the barrel, a little soft. Yeah. And a weeded mash bill is going to give you a little bit more of a softer note for a bourbon anyway. The rye rye bourbons are really what give you a little more spice, Mm -hmm. you know? So. And then this is also a 95 proof. uh, Nice. In terms of our proof is a little bit higher also. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. So what do you guys think of this rabbit hole bourbon here? New new folks. It coats your mouth. It's nice and warm. That's probably that really good barley that you guys are using. A lot of times the malted barley gives you yep. that really creamy mouthfeel. And that could be that special sure. grain that you guys are adding but, but, in there. And that and malting everything too is, mm-hmm. is helping because we're getting more, you know, more of those sugars for enzymatic production and alcohol content and all that. So it helps that that's something new. And in terms of our company, so we actually hired multiple people to come in and help us develop our mash bill. So we're a new company, but we have a lot of experience. Uh, we hired several people from Brown Foreman and Woodford. Uh, we hired a couple guys from Wild Turkey. And then also we had a few guys from MGP come over and all work with us in terms of developing our product line. So that's cool. Yeah. We started by like a husband yeah. and wife. It's a couple yeah, that started yes, the company. Yeah, Kave and his wife Heather. Oh, okay. Mm. Yes. So, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in terms of a barrel, all the barrels are charred on the inside to produce basically a charred coat. When the liquor goes into it, it soaks in some of the flavor. So in terms of vanillas and honeys that you get from the wood, because the sugar is moved to the edge of the wood when it's charred. The, the number level of char, one, two, three, and four, is how long the fire is actually touching the barrel. So if number four char is called alligator. It's extreme char. So it's the most charred a barrel can be. It's burnt. And then they work down from there based on how many seconds they time it at what temperature. So, so number three char, like Maker's Mark is famously a number three char, but most of the bourbon industry is using a number four char. The, you get more surface area when the, when the wood really opens up and you get that alligator skin, those... Yeah big yeah. cell-like things, that's a, a whole lot more surface area for the whiskey to get into, and that serves as a filter as well, yeah, you know? So if you think about what an alligator skin looks like, picture that on the inside of the barrel that's been burnt in. All right. Really, really beautiful. Yeah, and then, like, really, in terms of trees, when a tree's on fire, the tree pushes sap and sugar to the edge to protect itself from burning. So the same thing happens with the wood in the barrels, right? Because it's wood that is protecting itself from the fire. So it pushes all the sugars and all the enzymes to the edge to protect it from the wood. But then that allows the whiskey to soak in and out of the barrel as the barrels breathe. And then you're getting a lot of those charred flavors, the vanillas and the caramels and the honey flavor that you're taking out. And also yeah, the also the color. Yeah. yeah, there's like a line running right down through it. You actually crack it open. Mm-hmm. You can see the soakage yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Now. You guys are really, really small to start off with, right? Sure, and yeah. when you go to barrel your batches, I mean, when you go to bottle your barrels, uh, how many barrels are going into a batch? About 200. About 200. Yeah, pretty small batches of right now. Um, you know, because we're small and we're trying to mass produce as much as we can. Currently, we're available in 12 states now. Um, California was our 10th state. 
And then since then, we've gotten into Michigan and um, Connecticut. We have Colorado in lined up for this year, uh, maybe a few more on the west. California is our only west coast state. Uh, everything else is pretty much in the east coast. So in terms of, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Georgia, and even Nebraska is kind of our farthest west other than us. Well, we've got a new seven grand out in Denver. So I, we'll have to launch send, you guys Send there. me out there. I'm ready. Let's you get got it. You I'll got it. Production we'll out there. So, yeah, I saw you guys were opening that. Yeah, we just opened. It's a beautiful, beautiful bar. So Stephanie's starting to come around now with the second expression. What is this second expression here? So this is our rye. Pretty bottle. Close to the photo. <laughs> hey, there you go. All right, uh, yeah, our bottles are really nice. Uh, they're really great for bars as well because they're narrow, so they can fit up on the shelf and stack deep. Um, our rye is pretty straightforward. It is 95% rye. Wow. 5% uh, malted barley, and it's 95 proof as well, so. Beautiful. And so those guys who at MGP, Midwest Grape, they are famously they're yes. known for making some of the best rye whiskey in the world. And it's often said that they had like the best master still you never heard of. Or the well, guys I'm, glad you, there at I'm glad you mentioned that because when I talked about hiring people from other distilleries to come help us develop our mash bill, uh, Larry Ebersol, who's a famous master distiller from MGP, was contracted to come help us develop our rye. So it's, you know, very common that people say, oh, your rye kind of tastes like an LDI and MGP style rye. However, there's a, a few extra tricks and trades in there that you will we'll get into here when we get a little tasting on it. But uh, so yeah, Larry Ebersol is a lot of people in the American whiskey business say that he's the greatest master still you've never heard of. For sure. Because he's responsible for so many of those amazing ryes that are out on the market as- Especially uh, rye. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's really, really hard to make good rye whiskey. It has a tendency to get really gummy in the stills mm -hmm. and it's a pain in the butt. It, it foams in fermentation and they just, distillers have a really hard time dealing with rye whiskey, sure. but this guy was the master. Figured it out and did it in a way that nobody else could. So mm -hmm. that's why, you know, a lot of the brands now that are having the MGP rye, you know, Bullet and High West and some of the other companies who have been buying from them for a long time are uh, jealous of us because <laughs> we've got our own thing. So how did you personally get into the whiskey thing? Were you living yeah. in Louisville and like, no, actually, how did this all happen for you? So I grew up in Ohio. Uh, I moved to California six years ago. Uh, in the last six years, I have actually been working in different bars. I run a couple different bars in Los Angeles and do cocktail programs. Uh, and I wanted to do something else. I love American whiskey, especially bourbon. Uh, and I thought, what better job than to go do education and talk about whiskey? I actually, my background is in education. I have a degree in English. Uh, so I used to teach uh, college classes and high school classes when I was I out of college. And this seems like a fit for me if I could come here and drink free whiskey and talk about it. And, and speak English. And I speak English. What, how convenient here in Los Angeles. Oh, opa, opa, first new break of the new year. It's all right. Just glad it wasn't me. Yeah, I'm just glad no, it wasn't No me. whiskey was harmed in the breaking of that glass. So tell us about this here. Yeah. You, can, uh, you guys stick your nose in the glass. Look at the color too. You can see. In my experience, rye, I don't know why, it seems to pull more barrel action more quickly yeah, yes. than, than bourbons. It is a little darker, but it's same. It's about three and a half years old for our stuff right now. Um, every year getting older, hopefully, you know, as time, you know, only make it so fast. Um, the thing that I, well, I'll, I'll let you try it first, and then I'll tell you some of my thoughts, because I don't want to skew your mindset on what's in there. There you um, go. So stick your nose in the glass and, and tell me what you're reminded of as you smell this new rye whiskey. Licorice, okay. Minty. So for me, one thing I find, you know, rye generally tends to be spicy. Uh, I get a lot of 
green fruit, so apples and pears generally that I pull out of our rye. Um, that gives it that really nice, light, delicate flavor, especially for something that's 95% rye. I mean, you'd think that, that would be really spicy, but I think it's just kind of light and delicate. And Yeah, I get that red apple. I can smell yeah. some red apple in there. What do you guys think of this new rye whiskey here? Tap it over your tongue. How's it hitting you? Oh, I like this. Yeah. Cali- for some reason, in California, our rye is so popular. I don't know if it's just the taste of people in California gen- generally lean towards rye or... Or what it is, but just people just seem to really like a root beer finish. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Definitely has some root beer and some cinnamon. It's nice. Well, I mean, here on the West Coast, we like spicy food, you know? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense in terms of the palates of what people eat out here. And so, makes sense. Black pepper, good, yeah. What else? What are you getting? It's not as like peppery or spicy as other rice with. That kind of that high of content. Yeah, like I was expecting something much more in your face, and this is much soft. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's a light finish too. Yeah, it's very light for a rye, and I'm getting a little bit of purple fruit in here on the finish too, Mm -hmm. like maybe a plum, kind of very soft, very nice on the finish. It's almost like a like a Sazerac Drinkers rye, you know, like for sure. It just like has all of those elements kind of in one. It's very complex that way. You know, coming into this kind of rye is, again, being in, back to being innovative and trying new things that people aren't really doing. Most of your 95.5 ryes kind of taste the same, and you can kind of say, oh, that's NGBLDI rye. You know, there are five labels back here you could pull off that taste similar. We found a way to do ours, the same idea, but then also make it a little innovative, a little new, a little lighter. You know, you're, you're affecting that palate in such a way that... Raising my hand. You in the back. GP and LDI stand for? Uh, they are companies uh, in that produce... Whiskey. So MGP uh, is Midwest Grain Products. Midwest Grain Products. And LDI would be Lawrenceburg Distilling. Yes. And they're in Indiana. And they're, there was a big scandal about seven years ago about they were making products and selling it to companies and nobody knew they were doing it. So then companies were then selling that product as their own, even though they weren't making it. And then there was a big scandal in, in the bourbon world because people didn't know that that was happening. And that's, again, the, the distillery you've never heard of. They, who, they have stores and stores of great products so for years it was a big old seagram's plant and in the 80s the seagram's got dissolved Mm -hmm. and the factory still continued to do private label whiskeys for people because they were already making seagram's which was a, a american blended whiskey so they were making rye whiskey and grain whiskey and then blending it and then selling for people to then bottle on their own private label stuff and that went on for a long, long time. Um, and then in the last 10 years, they were then their name was changed to LDI, and now it's Midwest Grain Products. And if you go online, you can actually find it. You know, if you've got twenty, forty thousand dollars to blow, you could order yourself up. So I mean, that's, you the, could order up the, your own kind of whiskey. Yeah, the big scandal could. really came though from Templeton Rye was saying that the product they were producing was something like a pre-prohibition recipe that was very special and Acapone used it and they found out that they weren't and they were just using that as marketing and that so they had to change all their labels and there was a big scandal that they kind of got outed as this company that's making products for all these people and some people you know really you can tell by looking at a label it'll say you know produced in somewhere bottled in somewhere else so that's you know looking at the label is always a good way to tell where the product you're buying is coming from Great stuff. So ours says bottled in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> and so how long do you think it'll be before you guys are actually bottling the stuff that you're making on site? Probably two years. 
Two years? Yeah. And are you going to be barreling? Are you going to continue to store with Castle and Key, or are you going to be bar- uh, building rack houses We're building our own facility? Rack cool. Right on. So Stephanie's coming around with another whiskey. What is this? Oh, man, this is an exciting time for everyone. Um, okay. So back to being innovative. Uh, this is our... <laughs> uh, so this is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It's a different mash bill than what our regular bourbon is. And we're taking that bourbon, which is five and a half years old, um, and we're putting it into a second barrel and aging it. The barrels that we're using are 500 liter Pedro Jimenez sherry barrels. Um, so the barrels we're importing from Spain. Yeah, I love the claps. Um, so to give you a little a bit of the information about this one, um, the mash bill on this one, it's a weeded bourbon. Uh, it is 68% corn, 18% wheat, 14% malted barley. It is put in the barrel uh, at 110, just like the other stuff. It's a number four char barrel, which is relevant to the flavor profile. Um, so we used an extreme char on this one to get a lot of that burnt flavor in the front end. And then with Pedro Jimenez, Pedro Jimenez is the sweetest, lightest sherry that you can buy. So then on the back end, you're going to get a lot of the sweet, light Pedro Jimenez flavor. Uh, it comes out uh, 93 proof on this one as well. Yeah, so we're getting 500 liter barrels that we're importing from Spain, who have been used for about 30 years uh, for Pedro Jimenez aging. Um, and we age it, depending on how wet the barrel is when we get it, four to eight months. Six months is kind of our average for how long it's sitting in the Pedro Jimenez barrel, just to kind of impart some of that sweet, light flavor from the sherry. So on the, on the label, it says finished in sherry. So it says bourbon whiskey finished in sherry. Uh, in terms of, you know, we're billing everything that's happening on there. Um, so yes, in terms of the laws of being Kentucky bourbon, uh, it falls in those laws first. And then at the end, we label that it's finished in cherry. Same thing that Angel's Envy says, finished yeah, in port and casks. Yeah, and so yeah. there, there's a few of these American whiskeys that are starting to play around with something, for the most part, is something that's really experimented with a lot in Scotland and so Ireland. Very Scotch-based. They do that sherry finish all the time. It adds red fruit character, nuttiness. But what are you guys getting? Stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What is this American whiskey? Smell like to you. See, this is the one I get a lot of the banana on usually for me. Oh, yeah? Plum? Yeah, this definitely got big red fruit character. Yeah, I'm getting dark cherries for sure. Raisinets. We get definitely a lot of the dried raisin on the, from the, the bourbon mash. That's classic. Those are classic sherry notes of those dried fruits like that for sure. What are you guys getting? Anybody else? Taps them over your tongue. Oh, I, this, this has got a lot of nuttiness too, which I get a lot from sherry mm-hmm. casks. Yep. Like cashew butter. Drinking a lot of scotches from the Speyside region that are finished in sherry casks. That, that kind of cashew note comes up a lot and dark red fruit. So you get plums and cashews, very common. Um, and that's, you know, it's not a normal wine. You know, sherry and port, those are fortified wines. So they're higher proof wines and that, so that would think that that would increase the interaction with the wood so and also french oak and spanish oak is very very different from american oak um the american oaks are very um it's a slow growth hardwood and uh it's they grow in stands whereas the european oaks are those big burlier trees that they have a more porous wood which can be more tannic you can get too much oak notes from French and Spanish if it spins its whole life, which is why this is probably just finished yep. and not spinning its whole life. The American oak has a tighter grain and imparts like those classic 
caramel, maple sugar kind of notes, you know. Um, but it's, it's a sweeter kind of classic toffee that you get from American oak that French oak, Spanish oak tends to give you a little darker notes like brown butter, black walnut, you know. But then you've got the sherry too. So like he says, they deliver the, the casks wet because for barrels to be viable, they have to still... Got a little juice in them. Got to have some juice in there. It's the sweet drippings. <laughs> That's right. The, That's right. The non-angels envy, if you will. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. What does everyone think? I'm always. This is, I get a lot of times people love this or they hate it, so I'm always curious. It's beautiful, huh? Wow, I really like this. It's really This is definitely, we build this definitely as our, our sipping whiskey. This is definitely our high end. You know, we, you'd sit around and drink a neater on maybe a cube or a splash of water. Um, the other stuff we, we kind of build as premium cocktail spirits, right? They're great by themselves, but also they mix very well in cocktails. I mean, the rye is killer in just about everything you could use it in. Beautiful. Really chocolatey. I get a big, like, milk chocolate on the finish there. Yeah. It's beautiful. It has a really nice lingering, long, mm -hmm. you know, mouthfeel and flavor that you're getting from yeah, the time. coconut and chocolate. It's delicious. And part of it comes, like I said, from the, the extremes in the barrels, right? Because we char the first barrel to an extreme char, and then we finish it in a light, sweet barrel. So you're kind of getting that really contrast of, like, here's your char versus here's your sweet, and kind of gives you a ride as it goes along. So. Is the rye a number three char? Yeah. And no smaller barrels. You guys aren't using any small barrels in your process? No, all of our barrels are standard size. How, how big are the finished The finished barrels are 500 liters. How big is that? Is that a, is that a That's, it's going to be a, more than twice as big as your standard American barrel, like the barrels we have out here on the patio. Okay. So that's a 53-gallon barrel. But, yeah, if you do the conversion, um, it'll be like maybe four times as big. A 500, 500 liters is a big Big barrel, big sherry barrel. We could do the metric conversion. <laughs> Get out your calculators. All right, so did everyone uh, enjoy their welcome cocktail? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, the joke's on you. You are not drinking bourbon in your welcome cocktail or rye. You were Shocking. drinking gin. Uh, ba, ba, ba. Yes, okay, so this is our kind of fun product that we like to throw around. So this is a traditional London dry gin. Uh, we are sourcing the gin, we're not making it. We're buying it from a company that mass produces London Dry Gin in London and sells it to multiple companies. Uh, so don't ask me about what's in it because they don't tell me. Because the, the company that makes it won't tell us like what the exact breakdown of the bill is because they're selling to multiple big companies and they don't want that information out. But no. it's made in London, it's, it is, not, it's yes, not American it gin. Is, this is in a London Dry Gin. We're buying it from a company called G&J in London. They're, they're over by the River Thames. Uh, and what we're doing with this traditional London dry gin is we are aging it for six months in our rye barrels. Wow. So after our rye barrels are finished and used and we pull the rye out, we throw this gin in there for six months and let it age. Uh, so really what you do is you get a lot of London dry on the nose uh, and then you get a lot of soft, delicate flavors from the rye, a little wow, spice. Yeah, that's quite different. What are you guys getting? Is he sticking your nose in that glass? Very unusual spirit here. Linen? Yeah. Lemony, lemony. Yeah. lemony. Sure. A lot of citrus oils. A lot of citrus, yeah. Because it's a very, you know, the London Dry is typically a citrus-based gin. Mm -hmm. um, and it was to, uh, it, honestly, what I do with this is I take a spoonful of sugar, stir it down with a couple of dashes of like lemongrass bitters or some orange citrusy type bitters to really bring out those citrus oils, uh, and just serve it up. You know, that's it. Like just this with a, just a little sugar and some bitters and. People seem to really like the punch. Yeah. Now, we don't usually have gin in the whiskey society, but... Uh, I, 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 jokes on all of you. Uh, so. 
What do you guys think of this uh, rye finished gin here from Rabbit Hole? It really softens out the overall flavor. So the so what was the company again that uh, uh, they purchased? J and G. J and G. Okay, cool. So essentially, other distilleries can be purchasing the same thing, but doing their own unique finishes. Correct. Okay. Potentially. I don't think anyone is, as far as I know. But what, who who came up with the idea to finish gin in a rye barrel? Back to being innovative, Cave wanted to do new things. Uh, you know that haven't really been done very much, right? You're starting to see some barrel-aged gin now. It's kind of starting to hit the market, but that was an idea that we had that said, hey, listen, we have these rye whiskey barrels. Let's do something fun with them. You know? um, when I've seen other barrel-aged gins, so they usually take some of the brown color from it. Yes. Is there, uh, uh, do you have the bottle? Yeah, I'm sorry, you didn't see the bottle. Let me hold it up here. Okay, can't tell if it's the lighter. It's, it's like kind of golden yellow. Yeah, it's what... So, yeah, it has a champagne kind of color to it. Yeah. yeah. So some pale barrel effect on there. And how long is it finished in the six months? Uh, six months. Flash finish then. Yep. Really, really Just nice. enough to kind of impart some of that spice and some of the soft out, some of the London dry characteristics, you know, so the junipers really mellow it out. And, you know, then you get a lot of the citrus that's pulled out as well. So right on. That's something that I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> he said he hates gin, but he doesn't hate this. Oh yeah, they're, they're for sure. This, these are ready to go. The gin and the rye, she's saying, are ready to go cocktails. Yeah, and that's they're great. They're standalone, but. So how many folks liked the first expression, the bourbon, the most? The four grain bourbon. Yeah, out of, out of everything we've tried so far tonight, how many folks, we're giving them some feedback. It's yeah. first time yeah. in the Whiskey Society. It's great, it wasn't my favorite. It was my second What was your, how many people like the rye the best? Some hardcore, that number two? Number three? Number three was everybody's favorite? Sherry, sherry finishes. Nice. Well, we know you guys all have good taste then. <laughs> That's right, we're fancy. We're right on, man. And the gin, was that everyone's favorite? Yeah, yeah, we got a, a gin fave. All right. So wow. it looks like the majority was digging the sherry, right? Yeah. yeah. And your Which limousine is waiting for I was like showing Stephanie before that the sherry is one of those ones that people either love or they hate. And I've actually done some tastings where people are like, oh, what is this? Because, you know, sherry is a unique flavor, right? And if you like sherry, you do. And if you don't, you don't. So. Well, right on, man. So our brand new distillery, uh, like I said, opened last year. $15 million they spent on building this magnificent facility. On the second floor, uh, we have a built-in bar. Uh, we have a partnership with Death & Co and the proprietors LLC. From, they're in Los Angeles here as well. So we have a partnership with the owners of that. And they helped us develop all of our cocktails. So we have a really cool, innovative cocktail lounge in our distillery. And also we have a big event space, uh, which we rent out to people who want to do private events at the distillery. Uh, but yeah, all of our, everything is visible. You can walk through and you can see the still and you can see all the grains and you know the fermentation and, and it's all open and out. Um, the distillery was, very cool and innovative. And I actually joke, uh, we opened our distillery and then about six months later, Wild Turkey opened their brand new visitor center and the front of their visitor center looks exactly like our distillery. <laughs> so it's either A, there's only three designers in Louisville that design buildings, or B, ours was so cool they wanted, you know, that, that Jimmy wanted to be like us. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that, Jimmy wanted to be like us. Oh my goodness, that would be a very high compliment indeed. Uh, you know, because we have a giant rabbit across the front of our distillery. It's black and gray and it's kind of in a slatted, and now they have a big turkey on the front of theirs in the same style. Does anyone ever confuse you for like a mezcal company or anything like that with the rabbits? No, we, but we get, so there's a couple bars in LA. There's one in Alhambra and there's one out 
in the other direction towards the Penga Canyon called the rabbit hole. And they're like yeah. Cinderella or Alice in Wonderland themed bars. Yeah. So I'll do tastings and people are like, oh, you're from the rabbit hole. Cool, I love that bar. No, that's not the rabbit hole bar. So, and, and the idea behind the rabbit hole name also, um, in terms of I was talking about my, my owner and CEO, Kave, and his relationship with his now wife, uh, and she sort of swayed him away from bourbon, or I'm sorry, away from scotch into bourbon, uh, and he went down a rabbit hole that he would never come out of. So in that sense, he fell down the hole and has never returned and now has this great bourbon line. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much thank for coming in and educating you about your brand. Yeah. You guys, let's give it up for Ryan. Oh, th no, thank you for being here. Rabbit hole. So hopefully you guys, uh, hopefully you found a new friend tonight. And, uh, you know, support the new guys. Get a little yeah. bottle for your home bar. Why not? The new guys in Kentucky, you guys have some stiff competition Dude. out there. They've, they've been really happy to have us, though, you know, in terms of we've been really well received by the community in Louisville, especially. Uh, and I mean, you can't go to a bar without finding us on the back bar now. So they're really happy to have us there. We're right in, in the whiskey, old whiskey row. We're about four blocks from Angel's Envy. We have Old Forester down the street as well. So like we're right in that historic neighborhood and it's, it's great to be part of a, a history that's so rich. They recently re revitalized Distillery Row in Louisville. And so it's amazing that you can, you don't have to, I mean, for years and years, if you wanted to do distillery tours, you, you have to drive a lot. Like distillers can be two hours apart from each other. But now there's a whole area on Main Street. Right, right in Louisville. Yeah, there's about five of them right there you can go to. So it's 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 more visitor friendly yeah, to so be able to. Louisville market is booming. There's so much happening and growing right now in terms of especially distillery production and you know brands coming out. And yeah, it's an exciting time in the whiskey world. It's a great time. With the, why is it uh, there are so few distilleries? Uh, is it just harder to, like you said, there's like eight that produced 80% of the distillate. Well, that, so going, this was, so when we started the idea back in 2010, we opened in 2012 as a company. At that time, the whiskey kind of revolution and boom that we're having right now hasn't really started, right? So at that time, people were still kind of not really into whiskey, right? Ten, 10 years ago, you wouldn't go to a bar and have 50 selections in the back bar. You'd have 10, 12, 15, right? Well, if you yeah. came to this bar. Right, you came to a good <laughs> bar. But like most standard bars didn't carry a lot of product, right? You know, you have your Jim Beam, your Jack Daniels, your Jameson, and some other stuff for the most part. Uh, but you've seen a boom in production in the last eight years as well from, from 10 to 15 to 20 distilleries to there's 200 distilleries now in the United States. Mm -hmm. Actually, there might be more than that. There might well, be, there's well might over be, 200. There might yeah, be 400 they, maybe. They, they issued something crazy like 250 new craft distilling licenses just in one year. That was like two or three yeah, years you, ago. You're hard pressed to go to a state that doesn't have its own distillery somewhere that you can go to. So in that sense, I think every state has. Yeah. And they do beer, a lot of beer out there. So, well, they've got they've got a rum. They've got a there's a Maui. There's a rum company. Yeah, right. A whiskey distillery. So you've you've just seen kind of a, a renaissance in in the world of whiskey, especially American whiskey, um, where people now are kind of getting back into drinking it, and liking it, and wanting more products. So now more people are opening distilleries, and really what you're seeing kind of now is the the result of five to six, eight years of people's work because you know it takes time. You yeah. can't you can't put a product out for four years. So, you know, for the most part. So you're, you're just seeing that now really come about and there's all these new brands that are showing up on the show. Well, Ryan, thanks a lot. We, when you guys come out with new expressions, be sure to come back and turn us on some of the, what, Absolutely. the new experiments. Thank you guys all for being here. Now, great. Yeah, you're a great crowd. Thanks, 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpiritGuideSoc. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.